Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Awesome. Well, my name's Daniel and I'm the lead pastor here at Elevation. It's such a joy to have you with us uh, this morning, whether you're here in person or whether you're online. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of those mornings where the alarm goes off. And you say to the alarm, well, I talk to my alarm because it's Alexa, you know. Uh, you know, right before you go to bed, you're like, Alexa, set my alarm, right? So I was like, Alexa, set my alarm for 5.45 a.m., right? That's about standard for me on a Sunday. And, uh, and lo and behold, the alarm goes off at 5.45 this morning. Uh, and I say, like most of you maybe have said, Alexa, stop! <laughs> yeah. Normally, that leads to me going, okay, okay, I got to get up. Well, this morning, it led to me being like, ah, and, and I literally went back to sleep, and I, I woke up an hour later. Like, I didn't even know, like, you know, I, and it was one of those moments you, like, wake up in the morning, and you're just kind of like, wait a second, I think my alarm went off, <laughs> you know, and you, and you grab your phone, and you're like, oh, no, and so the whole morning... I felt just a little off. You know what I mean? You ever had that happen? Because your routine gets kind of messed up and, and uh, you know, you jump out of bed and you get in the shower and you're, you're doing all the things that you need to do. And, and, and here's the thing that, that I was thinking about is some of us had that same thing happen. Maybe you had something this week that just seemed to rattle you. You know what I mean? It just kind of puts you behind or it maybe, felt, maybe it felt like you're in a hole or you can't catch up or you can't get to wherever you need to. You know what I mean? Sometimes that happens in life. But here's the thing I know is that God so much wants to meet us in those places. And I believe he wants to meet you right now, just like he wants to meet me as I stand on the stage in my own weakness and say, OK, kid, you're. You're not as sharp as you normally are, but that's okay, because I am. And it's true for you, and it's true for me. I believe God can make up the difference in our lives. And I believe he wants to make up the difference in your life this morning. And I wanted to just pray for us as we jump into this, this, uh, this message that God's put on my heart, uh, just that we would prepare our hearts to receive everything that the Lord has. And so if you wouldn't mind... Let's pray together. God, you are more than able. You stand in victory over all things. You hold the world in your hands. And so, Lord, my stuff, my uh, weakness, my uh, challenges, all of our difficulties, we place at your feet. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Because, God, we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice. And so, Lord, as we continue in this time of worship and this time of your word, that, God, you'd speak. And so if you're here today and you need to hear from God, that you'd like to hear from God, just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you speak? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Well, today was supposed to be the start of a new series, but I decided to pause that because I really felt compelled to do two more weeks of the series that we're in currently. And so the series we're in right now is called God Wants to Heal You. And if you've missed any of those installments, you can always check it out online. You can download our app and you can find those sermons uh, that we've preached. But don't worry. I promise I'll do my best to catch you up a little bit as to where we are today. Basically, this whole series came out of something that really my wife and I, Gretchen, who we pastor this church together, uh, we had this encounter. Our, my sister-in-law, her sister, had um, a pulmonary embolism that led to her heart stopping that ultimately led to her having multiple strokes in her brain. And they were working on her at the hospital and the doctor indicated that she wasn't going to make it. And I remember being in that moment, my wife and I, I mean, you can imagine and maybe you can't, but it was awful. And I remember being in that place, feeling so desperate, so in need and recognizing that there was nothing that I could do to solve this problem. And you know, in life, if you live long enough, there's going to be a moment where you realize there's nothing you can do. And I remember us praying and asking people to pray and, and, and doing the things that we knew to do. And as they worked on her, they got to a point where they decided that they were going to stop. She had coded three different times. And, and I've shared this story a little bit, but but. But they decided to stop the compressions and everything, and it was over. And then right there in that moment, her eye opens. Like her eye opens. And they, you know, they, they do what they do. They, they, they start to get her on the ventilators. They're doing this stuff. And, and here, here's what I want to say to you. I absolutely believe that God heals people. I believe in miracles. This church believes in miracles. And I don't know if you're here today and you need a miracle. But I believe God has the ability to do those things. And from that moment, her eye opened. She has gotten better. I mean, think about she was she was without oxygen for over an hour. That does damage to the brain. And she's walking. She's talking. She's functioning. I mean, it's 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 absolutely a miracle. And so really, the impetus for this series was really that story of us going through that. And I wanted to teach the church about healing, that God still heals. And matter of fact, that God wants to heal because He has compassion, not pity. He has compassion on His children. And He loves us that much. And so there was a a faith healer named Oral Roberts. And regardless of what you think about Oral, he had a great way of talking about sickness and disease. He talked about sickness and disease being disharmony. Disharmony with God's created order. In other words, if if there's sickness and disease, then that means there's something off. When we were created by God in the garden, uh, there was no sickness and no disease. And so my point is, is that something happened and the Bible tells us that we sinned against God. And as a byproduct that we lost our home and we lost our relationship with God. And also sin entered into the world. 
And that's the thing we have to understand. We are living in a fallen world and it creates disharmony. And my heart for us today is as believers in Jesus Christ, we would recognize that the fact that Jesus came into the world, that Jesus was born as a baby, grew into a man, went to a cross, died a brutal death, was taken off that cross, put into a tomb, three days later was raised from the dead, beating sin and death, means that we now can stand in victory or authority over the things that are in disharmony with God. Does that make sense? And so my point is, is that this whole series is about helping us get back in line with God's created order. Because God is busy and God wants to heal and God is doing miracles because God wants to see the world worship him. And miracles are those things that point people to God. You know what I'm saying? Like when you see a miracle, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the thing you just saw. And you're thinking about it because you know that there's something behind it. There's someone behind it. And it causes you to wonder. It causes you maybe even to worship. And see, that's what God is interested in. And so we're going to spend a little bit more time diving into this concept but, uh, of, of the fact that God wants to heal you. And I've asked you really two questions as we've gone through this. The first is, is do you believe? Do you believe that God wants to heal people? I mean, that's a, that's a big step because some of us don't believe that. Like we we'll say we believe it, but then we don't practice it. Like we think about it. We're like, yeah, I think uh, that sounds pretty good. I mean, if God can create the world, then he probably can heal some people. So you might believe it in that sense, but it doesn't necessarily take root in your life. It may be a concept or an idea, but it doesn't necessarily take root. And so here's the other thing I've been asking you to do is not just believe that God can heal, because I think that's the place to start. But would you be willing to pray for people to be healed? Like, would you step out? If you believe it, if you say you believe it, would you not be willing then to step out and pray it into being? Because I believe that if we believe something, we should then act out of it. Like, our belief should motivate us to do something. And so, so here's what I want to challenge us with today, is that if you at any point say you believe in healing, could you move to the point of praying for other people to be healed? And here's what I know is that when we go from ideas to action, that's a faith step. And the Bible says that God loves faith. And when we function in faith as believers in Jesus Christ, what happens is he meets us in that moment and miracles happen. Sicknesses can be healed. Things can be restored. Sins can be forgiven. Mental issues can be addressed. You get it? See, these are the kinds of things that can happen in the supernatural when God gets involved as we activate our faith. And see, this is what it's all about for me. And my heart for our church is that we grab hold of this idea and we stand on this truth so that we can see people's lives changed. Because wouldn't it be cool? Do you not want to see a miracle? I know I do. Don't you want to see people? I mean, who, who's, who's like, hey, you want to see a miracle? Now nah, I'm good. I'm good. No, you, of course you do. So why not go to the one that can do it? You know, I've been thinking about something, oh, I don't know, for probably a year now, maybe a year and a half, is I feel like our world is becoming increasingly more sterile. And there's a reason for that. Like, I get it. 
like we're dealing with this pandemic and, and we're trying our best to deal with that and the spread of that. And, and I think that's very real. OK, so I'm not faulting that. But the thing that, that, that I've started to notice is we're starting to kind of embrace a don't touch me culture. Like, don't touch me. Like, stay over there. And if, and if you have just a little hair in your throat, <coughs> then you're like, you know, a leper. Right? It's like, oh, what was that? Are you sick? You know, or, and you know what I mean? It's just everything is heightened. And we're, we're nervous about those things. I mean, you look around our world and, like, notice how movie theaters have shifted. It used to be stadium seating was like cool, but the seats were too close together. Now they've created seats that are further apart and bigger so that you can be more distant from the people around you. I don't know if you've noticed that. And sometimes these things happen subtly. Do you think they're doing that because they want to spend the money to convert their theaters? No. They're doing that because their focus groups say people don't want to be sitting next to somebody else. Like, like we literally are getting to a point where we don't want to be around one another. We definitely don't want to touch one another. And Zoom world, I mean, come on, guys. We live in a Zoom world. We live in a technological world. And, and, and yet, in the middle of all this connectedness that we have, somehow loneliness and suicide are going up. So how is this getting, like, are we getting better? Or is something going on that we need to investigate? Because I don't know about you, but, but the Bible clearly says that we need to be together. Like the Bible says that community is important. That, that I will never become what God wants me to become if I do not have people around me that are helping me do it. And this is the thing that we have to understand. That we are living at a time right now that really rejects the idea of being together and human touch. Even the psychologists know, the sociologists know, that touch is important to someone's development. And when we continue down a road like that, even if it's good at times, we might be in trouble. And one time I was sitting, I wasn't sitting, I was standing. I was standing in the lobby. And somebody came up to me that I trust. And they said they had a word from God for me. That they literally had a word of knowledge they felt like they needed to share with me. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically where they feel like the Lord has spoken something to them that they believe is from God. And they need to then share it with me. Now, I don't always accept those because sometimes it's like, you know, yeah, that, that wasn't from the Lord. And now you may be asking, how do I know that? Well, it's not in line with Scripture. So I search the Scripture, and if it's not in line with the Scripture, I, I more than likely will dismiss it. Okay? But this one was. And I remember when they said it, I was like, that is so good. That is so important for me to hear. And this is what they said. And it was just, just a couple of words. They said, don't forget and don't neglect the laying on of hands. Okay? Now, if you don't know anything about the scriptures, you're probably like, I, I don't even know what that means. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to teach you. But the Bible says something very specific about this. And so I, I wanted to spend the remainder of our time talking a little bit about this in a don't touch me culture. Because I think as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to look at this. 
And we have to understand what God is saying and what he wants us to be doing in the midst of that. Okay, and so, so this is where I want to spend the rest of our time. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is one of my favorite books. And the reason I love the book of Hebrews is that it's really about encouragement. Like the whole book is encouraging believers uh, in their faith. And, and so if you've never read it, I encourage you to do it. But, but I wanted to kind of get us to chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews. And so uh, if you can count, you can go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and find it. Hebrews is in the latter part of the New Testament. So you would probably have to go all the way almost to Revelation. And you'll find it probably a few verses before that. All right. I mean, a few uh, books before that. And, and so you'll find Hebrews there. But if you don't have your Bibles today, we've got you covered they're on the scripture or on the screen here. OK, so Hebrews chapter six, verse one through three. Uh, the writer is saying this and I, I want us to get this. Listen, the writer says in verse one, therefore. So, so he's saying, OK, in light of everything else I've just talked about, which is Jesus is alive. He's on the throne. He has done amazing things, you know, all that kind of stuff. He says, therefore, let us. Leave the elementary. Everybody say elementary. elementary. Okay. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to what? Maturity. So, so you see the contrast. Elementary and maturity. Elementary and maturity. And he says, let us, let us leave the elementary teachings about, uh, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of, and he, he gives a list. In other words, let's not repeat ourselves. Let's not go back to this stuff, all right? We figured it out. Come on, guys, let's move on. Like, that's the simple way. He says, lay, not laying another foundation, not talking about it again, the foundation of repentance, an act, and acts that lead to death, so sin, and of faith in God, he lists faith in God. So we're not going to talk about repentance so much. We're not going to talk about just your need for faith in God. He goes on, he says, instructions about baptism. Like, I'm not going to go back over this. You should be baptized if you haven't done it. He's like, get it? Okay. And then he says, the laying on of hands. Then he says, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So, I don't know. Have you ever like coached an elementary student? You know what I mean? Like, like you, maybe they're working on their times tables or maybe they're working on something that, that, that you did when you were back in elementary school or, or maybe it's some history lesson or, you know, whatever. And, and, and honestly, I don't know about you, but when I do it, most of the time I feel really smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like two times two got that. Like, oh, man. And you're like impressing these kids with your knowledge. You're like, yeah, look at that. Ah, you know what I mean? Now, some of you maybe don't have that experience, and I'm sorry. You know, you need to go back to school, I guess. You know, you're that, what is that show, uh, Smarter Than a Fifth Grader or something? Have you ever watched that? Don't, because it's going to make you feel bad about yourself. It will, because you're going to find out that you don't know things fifth graders know, and it's going to make you feel bad. But get a kindergartner. You mean, that's going to really boost your self-esteem. I mean, think about that. And so the writer here in Hebrews is saying to us, elementary, elementary. In other words, there's these things that are just elementary. 
that, that, that we should just know. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he goes on and he lists them and he tells you, if you notice, he says repentance, faith in God, baptism, laying on of hands, notice it, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So see, all of these things he puts in the category of what? Elementary. He does not put those things in the category of mature. I think that's interesting. I think that, 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 that I think is people who believe in God and profess Jesus Christ as their Savior need to see this. Because when I think back to what this person said to me, don't neglect the laying on of hands. And, and look, he said that to me in the middle of a pandemic. And as I began to process that, God began to help me see something that we as believers need to see. That this doctrine of the laying on of hands is essential. It is foundational. It is elementary to our faith. And if we get rid of it, if we, get, uh, if we delete it, if we say we can't practice it anymore, then what happens is we are missing a component to our faith in Jesus that clearly the Bible says that we need. So what I want to do is just for a moment is I want to spend a little time talking about the laying on of hands. And you may be thinking, okay, I've got it. What does this have to do with me? I'm going to help you. I promise. But stay with me because this foundational doctrine of laying on of hands is really significant. And the thing I've noticed is that a lot of churches aren't doing it anymore. And I know why. I understand the environment. I don't need emails about that. But just because of the environment, just because of the situation, just because of the, the, the challenges that we face, it does not take away the fact that the Bible still says it. And as believers in Jesus, we have to engage that because here's what I have to say to you, is if we don't, there is a promise attached to the laying on of hands that will not come to pass in our lives or in our church, in our city, in our nation, or in our world if we don't practice it. Do you understand? Like God has attached some things to the laying on of hands. And so if we eliminate it, then we're eliminating the possibility of what I'm about to teach you. So here, 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 here it is in a nutshell. If you're taking notes, this is just a very simple definition of the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands, this foundational doctrine, is an act by one person towards another, usually accompanied by prayer or prophecy with the intention of bestowing a blessing. You got it. Under, so, so it's one person usually towards another who is either praying or prophesying with an intention, and that is an intention to provide a blessing. That is important. Because is anybody in here not want a blessing? Right? Like we all want a blessing. And yet the Bible says there's something attached to the laying on of hands that all of us need to see. And so what I want to do is give you five examples in the Bible of where we see the laying on of hands. Okay, I'll start here with the first one. The laying on of hands to bless children. The laying on of hands to bless children. Uh, look at this in Matthew 19, 13. 
Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to do what? Place his hands on them and pray for them. You know, it's that story in the Bible where where the disciples are like, get them kids out of here. And Jesus said, no, 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 let them let them come. And he and he and he invites the children to him. And, and I would go as far as to say that the Bible says that not just little kids, but you too, big kid, are invited to the lap of Jesus. Like when you become a, G- a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you're his child. Like you're, you're, you're adopted into the family of God. And so what that means is, is that you too are called to be blessed. And so as, as, uh, what, what we have to see is that if we neglect the laying on of hands then that means we're also neglecting blessing people with a blessing that comes from God. So so, so if you're wondering, why does this matter to me? Well, children are blessed by it. So, so, So you will be blessed by it if you will put yourself in a position to have people lay hands on you and pray for you. That makes sense? Seems important to me. Number two, the laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this in Acts 8, 17. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Did you notice the order? They placed their hands and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what your familiarity is or your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very clear that when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. This Holy Spirit now is the very presence of Jesus in our lives. And so we receive that and not just the person living in us, but we receive the power to do the things that God has called us to do. And sometimes what I find is that Christians believe all the right things, but they don't have the power to accomplish them because they haven't received the Holy Spirit in their life. And so, 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 so this seems pretty significant to me. It says that when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. So, so what is it that we receive through the laying on of hands? We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need that. So what is it? Blessings. So the laying on hands lead to blessings. The laying on hands leads to you receiving the Holy Spirit. Seems pretty good to me. Number three, the laying on of hands to recognize ministries. And so maybe God has been birthing something in your life. Maybe there's something that the Lord has called you to. I don't know what it is. But but in this context, in Acts 6.6, listen to this. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. Now, why were they doing that? They were doing that to bless them in the ministry that they had been called to. So, so, so we are affirmed and empowered and supported through the laying on of hands. This is pretty significant. Like, think about all the things that I've just said. Like, all of us want this. Like, the church needs this. In order for us to be successful in a world that is broken, yes? In a world that is challenged and having all kinds of difficulties, that we need this in order to be able to do what God has called us to do. Number four, the laying on of hands for the reception of spiritual gifts. Now you'll be like, what in the world is a spiritual gift? See, when you become, if today you would say that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you receive certain spiritual gifts. Like th- that is to come to your life. And, 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 and those spiritual gifts are to be used for the kingdom of God. Like if you're in this place, you're like, man, I don't know if I have anything to contribute. 
I don't know if I have any gifts to, that's not true. You just need to reject that outright because the Bible already says that you do. Like God gave them to you and you're there, they're there to help you build God's kingdom. Now, whether or not you know they're there, whether or not you even know how to identify them or whether you're not, whether or not they're in there just sitting there waiting to come alive as someone lays hands on you, all of that is possible. But here's the thing I'm trying to get you to see is if you need spiritual gifts to be able to do what God's called you to do and they're somehow connected to the laying on of hands, well, look, we can strengthen the body and we can strengthen other people when we receive the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And here's the cooler part. You may not even know this, is that yes, there are some unique gifts that God wants to give you, but the Bible also says that I can pray for all the gifts Like, I literally can pray that God would give me all the gifts and he will do so as he, as he determines you need them. So like, here's here's the coolest part. Some people don't have the gift of healing, but I've seen people that don't have the gift of healing go in an environment and pray that God would use them to heal people. And in those moments, they pray and those people are healed. And then when they're done with that moment, that healing gift goes away. Like they don't have it anymore. But God gave it to him in that moment. See, God can give us gifts that we need to do anything that he calls us to do. And so, so, so the, pray, the laying on of hands is pretty important. I mean, let's go back through this again. Why does it matter? Let's say blessing, because we all want that. Holy Spirit, yep, definitely need that. I need to be affirmed, empowered, and supported. Yep, need that. I need something to give which is a gift, right? I'm going to give my, yep, need that. You with me? That's four. But here's the one that I want to get to. Here's the fifth one. Number five, and this is where we come full circle to the series. The laying on of hands to what? Heal the sick. The laying on of hands to heal the sick. Did you know that God wants to do that? And he does it through the laying on of hands? Now, I don't have a ton of time to go back into all that I've talked about through this series, but what I'm asking you to do is realize that God uses people to heal other people. Because, see, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, stay with me. The Bible says if the Holy Spirit lives in you, that's the very presence of Jesus. Do you understand what that means? That means that Jesus lives inside you. That means the Holy Spirit is inside you. And if that... Holy Spirit is inside you, then that Spirit can then give you what you need to do what you can't do on your own. Does that make sense? And, and so, so when the Bible says that the, 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 the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So if that's true, then that means every time you pray for someone, you are now praying in the power and the authority that comes from the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You see, the, see, I'm not making this stuff up like I'm not some quack pot or crack pot or however you say the pot. Crack pot. Yes. That's not about it. No, I'm just telling you what the word of God says, Christian. Believe what God says. Don't believe me. Believe what God says. And you know how cool it is when we do? We start to see things that the Bible talks about. And we don't make excuses for God saying things like, well, I never see those things anymore. Well, maybe it's because you never prayed for those things. 
Maybe you're not functioning in that faith. Maybe you're not functioning in that authority. Maybe you're not standing and doing the things that God has called you to do. Now, if you're thinking, well, I've prayed. and Look, I'm not saying that sometimes our prayers don't get answered the way we want. And if you missed that series or a sermon I did a couple of weeks ago, I talked about reasons why people don't get healed. And so go back and look at that before you get mad at me. Go back and look at that because there, there are legitimate reasons why sometimes people don't get healed. But I want to dig in just for the last few minutes we have. The laying on of hands to heal the sick. This is so exciting. In Luke 13, 13, listen. Jesus, this is, a, this is a story of Jesus. So on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. So it was on a Sabbath day. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for how many years? 18. 18 years she had suffered. That's a long time to suffer, isn't it? The Bible says that she was bent over and could not straighten up. So so something was going on in her back that she couldn't straighten all the way up. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, listen, woman, which Jesus does that like he calls women, women. Like, if I did that, people would be like, that's kind of mean. Like, you know, if I would say, woman, you know, but, but Jesus does it, it's okay, it's okay. So he says, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. I love that. I mean, he literally says, you are set free. But then watch what happens in verse 13. Then he put his hands on her. He put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up. And as she straightened up, she praised God because of the healing that happened. I, I love that. It's just this imagery of her going from, going from this to this. Yeah? And, and so she, she begins to praise God for, for, for her healing. And, but did you notice the order? I thought this was curious. In this passage... Jesus speaks to the infirmity first. So he says, you are healed from this infirmity. Then he lays his hands on her and the healing comes. So, so it made me wonder sometimes is if when we're praying for people, when, we, when we're praying for people, maybe if Jesus did it, maybe we should do it. Maybe so, we should speak to the problem. Not like, hey, you know, you're really a bad disease. And I'm just, I think you need to go. I, I mean, I, I'm just, I think you need to leave now. No, no, it's, it's this, you are set free from this infirmity. Do you, do you get it? In other words, it's a declarative statement. It's not, it's not like, you know, weak. No, it, it is, a, Jesus says, in authority, you are now set free from this Infirmity. And you don't, you don't have to scream like me. I mean, you can just say it in your own voice. You are now set free. You are now set free. However you want to say it. But you are set free, declaratively, you are set free from this infirmity. That's where he starts. So maybe you have somebody in your life today that you can go and speak authority over them. Now, where's the authority coming from? You? No. It's coming from the Holy Spirit that lives in you. 
See, the same spirit that did all this stuff now lives in you. Now you're speaking authority over this disease. You're now you're speaking authority over this sickness. And you're trying to bring this person's life back into harmony with God. And so let's speak healing first. Then as we speak the healing, let us lay our hands on them and realize that as we do, the Bible says there's a point of contact created. And when faith is going back and forth through that point of contact, miracles can happen. I don't know about you, but that sounds fun to me. And and here's the thing. If we really believed it happened, we'd walk out of here today and we'd pray for as many possible people we could. Isn't that true? Because we all want to see it. So why don't we do it? Why don't we just walk out of here and find a few people to pray for and see what happens? Here's why. Because we believe that if we do, it might not happen. Uh And so in fear, we say, uh, we skirt back, we come back, we say, and here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Leave the healing in God's hands. If God, whatever God does, that's on God, not you. All God has asked you to do is be faithful and obedient to what he's told you to do. And one of the things he's told you to do is lay hands on people to be healed. Speak over sickness and disease and tell it to leave. So, so you just be faithful to what he's told you to do and let him be faithful to what he said he'd do. And don't pick up God's part because then once you pick up God's part, part you'll start to fear. And you'll skirt back and you won't do it. So wouldn't it be cool if everybody in here started to do that this week? I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. So, 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 so Jesus clearly spoke to the sickness and laid hands on her. And the Bible says that she was immediately healed. Now listen to this. I wanted to read one more part of this in Mark 16. And if you're going to check out, don't. Because this is really interesting. All right. In Mark 16, 15 through 18. This is towards the end of the book of Mark. And, 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 and what's happening is Jesus is commissioning his disciples, the guys that he's invested in and, and before, you know, and, and, and really built into. He, he says these things to him. He said to them, telling his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, that's an assignment for you as well. We're all called to preach the good news to everybody. And what's the good news? The good news is the birth, death resurrection, and second coming of Jesus. That's what the good news is. That, that, that's the gospel, right? In a nutshell. So he says, go and, and, and preach the good news to all creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. All right, stay with me. In these, <laughs> and these signs will be accompanied by those who believe. Listen, in my name, They will, number one, drive out demons. Number two, they will speak in new tongues. This is in the Bible. They will speak in new tongues. Number six, number eight, or verse 18. They will pick up snakes with their hands. (laughs) Okay, okay. This is getting a little out of control, isn't it? And then watch this, number four. And when they drink deadly poison, they will not hurt they will not hurt them. It will not hurt them at all. Okay. Can we just pause 18 for a second? There are churches that do this. Like, literally. Now, I'm not recommending you go pick up poisonous snakes. All right? I'm not, I'm not saying that. 
I'm definitely not telling you to drink poison. Okay, that, that, I'm not telling you to do that. So we'll have to discuss that in more detail at a later date. All right, maybe I'll do a Facebook Live on that. But here's, here's what I think we need to see, the nuance here. All of Scripture is not necessarily intended to be taken literal. All right, that, that's one thing to say. But I do think it's important that we see that, that what Jesus is saying is that the supernatural is different than the natural. I mean, in essence, what he's saying is that there are things that can happen in the supernatural that are not possible in the natural. And when we function in faith, there are things that can happen that don't make any sense. But then watch this. At the end of verse 18, I love this. They will place their hands. Everybody say, place their hands. On sick people, and they will get well. See? See what I'm getting at? Now, if I haven't completed the assignment, go back and watch my sermons. But ultimately, I think I've done a pretty good job of making this case that God wants to heal people. And he has asked us to be a part of that. And so I'm asking you, as believers in Jesus Christ, would you believe that God wants to heal people? Would you put your faith in that? And then also, would you be willing to pray for people to be healed? That's all. That's all I'm asking you to do. And the Bible says that people are going to get healed. And the thing that happened to my sister-in-law is possible in other people's lives. And the medical world sits there like this. We literally prayed that the doctors, which we thank God for, because God uses medicine. But we prayed that this word would come out of their mouth. That they literally would use the word miracle. The doctors that worked on her. And that's the word they used. Do you understand? And so see, God is actively moving. God wants to do these things. And so, could we just believe him and take him at his word? Yes? Let me pray for us. God, we so believe that you created everything and that you have the power and the capacity to do what you say you can do. But Lord, would you help us as a church, to take a step of faith and put it into practice? Would you help us to pray for people? Would you help us to believe in faith for the, he for the healing over sick people and disease that backs would be cured? I know people in this church right now that need a healing in their back. And so, Jesus, I stand in authority over that back problem. We stand in authority and we speak to that sickness and say that that infirmity has to leave. And so, Father, we pray for healing in backs right now. And what I want you to do, just stay with me in prayer. I just spoke over that. If you know somebody that has a back problem, go to them right now, or when you leave today, I mean, and pray for them to be healed. Pray, lay your hands on them and pray, and you stand in authority over that. Do you see? 
And so let's, let's just begin to, to believe God. Father, I pray against cancer. I speak to cancer in the name of Jesus. I bind it up. I bind it up and I cast it out in the name of Jesus. That, that, that cancer has to leave in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray against depression and anxiety and fear. Jesus, mental uh, torment and, and things that twist up our minds. Father, I pray against these things in the, in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. And I pray that these infirmities have to leave in Jesus' name. Father, we believe in faith for these things to happen. If you need a miracle today, I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray for anybody in this room, anybody that's hearing the sound of my voice, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would, that you would come right now to that place that's sick or diseased. I ask in Jesus' name that they'd be healed. Father, we believe in faith for this to happen. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe that you can heal me. Lord, I believe that you are healing me. And I stand in faith that this will be true. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for it. We receive that healing now. You know, in the passage that I read before we closed in Mark, it says if you believe you'll be saved. And I don't know your story. I don't know where you come from. You may have been sitting through this whole message thinking, yeah, that sounds good, but if I'm really honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've walked away from it. And what I want to do is just for a moment give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. The birth, death, resurrection, and second coming of Jesus. You know why all that happened? Because the Bible says that God loved you that much. And so what I want to give you the opportunity to do is to respond to that love. And enter into a relationship with a God that loves you. And that was so willing to send his son to die for you. To help you get back. To help you get back home. And so... With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you this question. Would you say that you have a relationship with him? And if you don't, let's just settle that today. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he will come in and he will save you. So what I'm going to ask you to do on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up. Like I said, nobody's looking around, but I, I believe this is important because it's a, it's a, it literally is like a statement of faith as you raise your hand and say, yes, I'm in. I want that. I need that. Because I can tell you this, if you can't raise it up in here, you won't raise it up out there. And so right now, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith because I want to be able to see your hand so I can pray for you specifically. And we're all going to pray together. We're not going to point you out or anything like that or embarrass you. We just want to help you take this step. And so right now, on the count of three, heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand in faith. One, two, three. Go ahead. Raise up your hand. God bless you. It's good. God bless you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Anybody that's raising their hand online as well, I want to be able to pray for you as well. And so church, nobody's praying alone in here. Everybody is going to pray together. And so I just encourage you to repeat this prayer. If you raised your hand, please repeat this as well. But just simply say this. Heavenly Father, 
I need a savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Lord? I surrender to you today. Father, would you change me from the inside out? Would you fill me with your spirit? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today?